in this episode of Fit RX. Because if we can control insulin, we can get a big handle on obesity and losing weight. To beat fat, you've got to eat fat. To burn fat, you've got to change your fuel. Welcome to Fit RX with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, fitness, prevention, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. This is my first real episode. I did my first episode before just as kind of an introduction as to who I am. So this is our first real episode with some meat, and it's a very important one. Uh, the title of this episode is How to Burn Fat. I went back and forth on what to call this one. I thought about how to get skinny or how to look good naked, but settled on just how to burn fat. Um, this is perhaps one of the most important episodes that I will do, and we're going to talk about some fun stuff in the future I think it's fun, but the reason this may be one of the most important is because we're talking about how to lose weight, and I'm going to tell you how to lose weight the right way. This isn't a Jenny Craig method of losing weight. This is cutting-edge weight loss, and if you're asking why am I an authority on weight loss, well, I talked a little bit about that in my introduction in the last episode, but... If you didn't listen to that or don't want to listen to that and just want to take my word for it, you can do that. I'll just tell you briefly, uh, I am a board-certified family practice physician, which would normally make me less of an authority on nutrition, as sadly, doctors know very little about nutrition. Um, But I have always been into fitness, which is why I'm doing this podcast. I love to read and just soak up the data and the studies on this kind of stuff. And I've read all kinds of books. I love Dr. Jason Fung's work. He wrote The Obesity Code and The Diabetes Code, and I'll be referencing him several times during this talk. Also, I'm certified in age management medicine, uh, which is just, again, a little bit more training, lifestyle, nutrition, that kind of thing. And I've been practicing uh, as a physician for 12 years and uh, doing this stuff in the real world. So I ask you, if you're overweight or if you know someone that you're close to that's overweight or obese, please share this podcast with them. Not that I'm trying to get more downloads. It's just I really feel like that this can help if people will uh, take hold of this information. And if we can decrease weight and fight obesity, I mean, all doctors know this, we can decrease diabetes and arthritis and autoimmune disease and so much. And I spend so much time in my day-to-day practice talking about weight because it is so prevalent. So I was supposed to give this talk in the community uh, right, as, right at the time COVID hit. And so I never was able to do that. Um, I still will probably do that at some point in the near future. 
So I already have the slideshow made, so I just thought I would um, go through this slideshow, put it on the podcast. So, um, you know, I have a slide about adult obesity rates, has it broken down by states. I'm in Oklahoma. Our obesity rate is 33%. Now, we're not talking about just overweight. That would add to it. We're talking about obese. What's even more concerning to me is prediabetes or also what we call insulin resistance. And this is just where your blood sugar is, is too high and your body is cranking out more insulin. And that affects one in three people, 84 million adults in the United States. And this was in 2015. So the numbers are probably slightly worse than that. So how did we get here? How did we get so fat? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. One reason started with the traditional food guide pyramid. And if you read any health at all, you know this traditional food guide pyramid is wrong. Okay? So it recommends 6 to 12 servings of bread, cereals, rice, and pasta. So that's on the bottom of the pyramid. Then we have fruits and a little bit of vegetables. And then way up on the top, we have, yes, fats. Because fats are bad, right? They make you fat. Well, despite all that's out there, I'm amazed at the amount of people who still believe that fat makes you fat. But we're going to talk about it. So I have a graph. And I love this graph because it shows the rates of obesity by year. And it starts at about 1960 and only goes to about 2010, so obviously it's just going to keep going up from there. But what's interesting about it is it's pretty level until you get to about the mid-70s, and then it starts going up dramatically. Well, what happened in the mid-70s? Well, that's when George McGovern and the government got involved in your nutrition. And so the government got a committee together and said, we're going to tell everybody how to eat. So that's when they came up with the traditional food guide pyramid. And even though they had some experts at the time telling them, hey, this isn't, this isn't the right way to go, it was political. And so from the 1970s on, there's a drastic increase in obesity. And it's not getting better. So it's obviously something I'm passionate about. And I hope that you'll be excited about the things that you're going to learn here. So first I want to dispel some myths. So I'm sure you've heard calories in versus calories out, okay? And I'm guilty of telling patients that in the past for many, many years. Okay, well, if you just uh, burn more calories than what you consume, so exercise more and eat less, you'll lose weight. So how many of y'all have heard that? Well... If I've given you that advice, it would have been many years ago, but I'm sorry. That's wrong, okay? Calories are not created equal. Calories, different types of foods, do different things in the body. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So the next myth is you just need to exercise more. You just need to get off your butt and exercise. You've heard that, right? And exercise is important, but it's not really about exercising more. Third myth is you need to eat low fat. Man, 
this could not be further from the truth, and again, we're going to talk about this, but I'm amazed at the people out there and the, and the doctors out there who are still preaching this message, eat low fat. And I hope there's doctors listening to this podcast, and if you are telling your patients this, please research it and, and just do your own research because it is so, so wrong. Anyways, we're going to talk. Next myth. You need to eat three meals a day and two snacks because this speeds up your metabolism, right? Makes you burn fat faster. Three meals a day, two snacks. Well, that's wrong. And on that note, breakfast is the most important meal of the day because you have to eat breakfast to lose weight. And then the last one, doesn't matter what you eat as long as you exercise enough. Well, that may be true when you're 16 years old, but if you're middle-aged, that's false. Okay, so what are the truths? Truths, obesity is a hormone problem, okay? And we're going to talk about one hormone in particular. Um, Another one is cortisol, which we'll touch on briefly, but insulin is the big one. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Number two, truths. Low-calorie diets don't work and might make things worse. may not have heard that one before. Let me repeat that. Low-calorie diets don't work and might make things worse. So you're probably asking, why would it make things worse? And I mentioned I'm going to reference uh, Dr. Jason Fung. He's uh, written several books. He talks about in one of those kind of a set point, okay? And so your body has a certain set point where your metabolism is used to working. And so let's just say you're used to eating 2,000 calories a day, okay? And then you go on a diet. So you go on a Weight Watchers diet and you decrease it to 1,200 calories a day, okay? Um, So you're going to lose weight initially, right? Works for a little while, okay? And if you keep that low calorie for the rest of your life, well, then I guess you might be able to maintain that weight loss. But what happens? You know what happens. You come off the diet and you start going back to normal again. So you start eating 2,000 calories again, okay? Well, your body has adjusted to a new set point of 1,200 calories, okay? So that's what it needs to survive is the 1,200 calories. Well, now you're giving it the 2,000 calories again. So now not only are you going to gain the weight back, you're going to gain more than what you had initially. And so that's how that works. And that's why when you go on a diet and a low calorie diet, yeah, you lose weight and then you gain the weight back and then you gain more. And then you go on another low calorie diet, lose, lose a little bit of weight and then you fall off and then you gain the weight back and then you gain a little bit more. And over the years, now all of a sudden you're 350 pounds and you say, I just don't know how I got here. Well, that's how you got there. Okay. So I, uh, I believe I got this from Jason Fung too. You can't see this picture, but it's basically, you can imagine it and um, imagine a refrigerator and a freezer. Okay. So when you eat calories, your body is going to store some of those calories as glycogen. Okay. Which is basically stored blood sugar. And when the body needs that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go open the refrigerator to get those out. It's very easily accessible, okay? But sometimes 
those calories are going to go, instead of going into the refrigerator, they're going to go into the freezer. Okay? Now, obviously, if something's in the freezer, it's not as accessible. You can't just go get something out of the freezer and eat it. you got to thaw it out, all that stuff. So it's not as readily usable. So we want to keep things in the refrigerator so they can be easily used, not necessarily in the freezer, because there's unlimited storage in the freezer, okay? If we fill up one freezer, we can get another freezer and another freezer and another freezer. And that's how body fat gets stored. So what makes it to where the calories are going to be stored in the refrigerator or they're going to be stored in the freezer? Well, that's the hormone we mentioned, insulin. So insulin is a big key in obesity, okay? So insulin controls kind of where things are stored. So we have to understand this because if we can control insulin, we can get a big handle on obesity and losing weight, okay? So then how do we control insulin? So that brings me to my number one point here in how to burn fat. Now we know, at least most people should know, what makes insulin go up. Well, guess what makes insulin go up? Carbohydrates. Carbohydrate of any kind, okay, makes insulin go up. So therefore, first point here, decrease carbohydrates. So I want to mention a term called glycemic variability. Basically, glycemic variability refers to the blood glucose variations during the day, okay? So it's how often your blood sugar's going up. So if your blood sugar's going up all the time, so you're eating three meals a day, two snacks with low-fat foods, crackers and fat-free this, well, obviously you're going to be having blood sugar spikes throughout the day. So not only is that increasing insulin, actually glycemic variability uh, has been associated with longevity. So we know that if you decrease your glycemic variability, meaning you decrease those uh, blood sugar spikes, therefore the insulin spikes, you can live longer. Okay, so if this glycemic variability gets out of control, okay, in other words, the blood sugar goes too high, the body's going to do one of two things. It's going to transfer sugar into the muscles, okay, to be utilized, or it's going to be stored as body fat, just like we talked about the refrigerator and the freezer. So you're, maybe you're saying, okay, I don't, I don't eat too many carbohydrates because I get this all the time with patients. So I, I eat pretty good. I don't, I don't eat too many carbohydrates. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, what do you eat for breakfast? Well, I, I eat a bowl of oatmeal and a glass of milk. Okay. Both carbohydrates. What do you eat for lunch? I eat a grilled chicken sandwich. Okay. Carbohydrates bread. What do you eat for supper? Well, just whatever. Usually, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and chicken fried steak, whatever. I mean, you get my point. There's carbohydrates with every meal, and that's not even mention all the desserts and the sweetener you're putting in your coffee. You know, the sweets are all over the place. So carbohydrates are going to be, you know, breads, pastas, cereals, crackers, chips, Cokes, candies, desserts, got to get rid of those things. They raise blood sugar, therefore raising insulin. And so then you may be thinking, okay, but fruits are good, right? Because 
fruits are natural. So, and, you know, every, everybody knows that you're supposed to, to eat your fruits and veggies, right? Well, if you're trying to lose weight, you don't need to be eating fruits, okay? It's, it's sugar. Fruits are made of something called fructose. And fructose may actually even be worse because it's got to go to the liver to be converted. And so it can cause more problems, fatty infiltration of the liver, things like that. Now, do you get some nutritional benefit from, from fruits? Sure you do. You get, you get some vitamins from fruits, but they drastically are going to increase your blood sugar, therefore increasing the insulin. They're contributing to making you fat. You do not need fruits. If, if you eat fruits every now and again, that's okay. You do not need fruits every day. And if you're eating fruits every day, you're probably harming yourself. You're doing yourself no favors. So when I tell people that, they look at me like I'm funny. Well, doctor, fruits are, you know, fruits are good for you. How can you badmouth fruits? Well, here's the deal. 200 years ago, okay, when we look at our ancestors, in the, in the middle of February, how many fruits did they have? They had none, okay, because they didn't have a Walmart they just, they weren't going and buying bananas. There was no fruit in the winter, okay? So in the winter, they were fasting. They were killing animals and eating the meat, the fat, everything on the animals, which we'll talk about. But they weren't eating fruit. So this idea that you need fruit 365 days a year, year-round, ludicrous. Okay, so that was number one decrease carbohydrates so we can decrease our insulin. So if we decrease our insulin, or excuse me, if we decrease our carbohydrates, then we have to replace it with something, right? So what do we replace it with? And you probably guessed it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're thinking protein. No, it's not protein. <laughs> it's fat. We replace it with fat. Now, if this concept is new to you, you may be thinking, what kind of quack doctor is telling me to eat fat? Well, I'm telling you to eat fat. And all the people out there that are in the know, as far as losing weight, are going to tell you to eat fat, okay? Fat has been demonized, shouldn't be. So I've got a slide that says, to beat fat, you've got to eat fat. To burn fat, you've got to control your insulin, as we mentioned. To control your insulin, you've got to change your, full, your fuel, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And so you may be asking, well, but... You know, fat is going to raise your cholesterol, and fat is going to give you a heart attack. Fat's going to give you a stroke. Well, all of that is absolutely false, and studies have confirmed that time and time again, that that is untrue. So get that out of your heads. So I'm just going to ramble off a couple of studies here. Dr. Walter Willett of the Harvard School of Public and considered one of the world's foremost experts in nutrition, wrote a re review article, this is way back in 2002. He said, diets high in fat do not account for the high prevalence of excess body fat in Western countries. Reduction in the percentage of energy from fat will have no important benefits and could further exacerbate this problem. The emphasis on total fat reduction has been a serious distraction in efforts to control obesity and improve health in general. Another one, Women's Health Initiative Dietary Modification Trial, 
where nearly 50,000 women were assigned a low-fat diet, a calorie-restricted diet, over seven years. Guess what the results were? It produced no weight loss, no cardiovascular benefits, no reduction in stroke, no reduction in cancer. So there you go. So I know you can't see this slide that I'm looking at, but I'll explain it. And I love this slide. I show this, patient, this slide to patients all the time. So it basically shows the insulin response to the three macronutrients. So what I mean by that is protein, fat, carbohydrates. So if you eat a carbohydrate, it huge spike in insulin. Okay, just imagine huge spike in insulin. That's pretty, pretty much common sense. If you eat protein, so say you eat a grilled chicken, a lean piece of meat, an egg white, okay, you got a little bump, you got a hill, okay, but it's not much. It's just kind of a little bump. If you eat fat, and I'm talking something all fat, like an egg yolk, you know, pure butter, something like that, it's almost flat, pretty much no response to, to insulin, okay? So should make sense if we want to lose weight and we want to control our insulin, best way to do that, eat fat. It has the, the least effect on insulin. So maybe you're thinking, okay, this sounds familiar. Low carbohydrate, high fat, maybe a little bit of protein. Isn't that something called the ketogenic diet? And yes, you're right. That is something called the ketogenic diet. So the ketogenic diet is just that. It's a high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet. Specifically, they recommend about 75% of your calories come from fat in the ketogenic diet. About 20% coming from uh, protein and 5% carbohydrates. So when I have patients try to do this, you know, 75% is a lot. You got to really work at that to get that much fat. And that's, that's probably the biggest, the hardest thing to wrap your mind around because people have been inundated for so many years about eating low fat. It's just hard to get over that and to, to just eat that fat, but you got to do it. So what are some of the things that you could eat to increase that fat intake? Well, meat and eat the fat on the meat. Okay. Uh, bacon. Now, not all bacon is great for you. I'm not going to, at least in this episode, get into the specifics of, you know, making sure you're getting grass-fed beef and, and all that. We'll get into that in the future. But, you know, let's just start at one place, lower the carbohydrates, start learning how to eat more fat, okay? So fatty fish like uh, salmon, sardines. Uh, eggs, avocados, it's, it's great fatty food, coconuts, butter, and real butter. Now, that is a very important one to make sure you're getting grass-fed butter. Uh, some nuts, almonds, cashews, macadamia nuts, things like that. Now, I'm going to talk briefly about what happens when you eat a ketogenic type of a diet. Okay. Now, I want to say this. Just, you know, keto is very popular right now, okay? And just because it's trendy doesn't mean it's bad. Now, I'm also not one of these that is just thinks keto is the only way to go. And if you're not doing keto, you're not eating right. But for people who are overweight, especially for those who are morbidly obese, you got to start out 
with with keto. Okay, it's a it's a good place to start, and because it's so popular right now, there's a lot of stuff out there about it. So you can find recipes, you can find resources. So for all those reasons, it's a great place to start. So how in the world does eating high fat help you to lose weight? Well, I'm going to be very brief on this. My wife, who is also a physician, I mentioned that in my uh, previous episode, she did a whole two-part lecture series in the community on ketosis and the ketogenic diet. So this could be a whole lecture in and of itself. I'm just going to talk briefly about what ketosis is. So when your body starts burning fat for fuel, then it's a metabolic state where you're burning something called ketones. So when you're in what's referred to as ketosis, then basically you're burning your fat for fuel. So when you're sitting there watching TV, you're burning your fat. When you're sleeping, you're burning your fat because you're in ketosis. So it once you switch over to this kind of diet, probably going to take the average person about three days to get into this ketosis or ketotic state. During that three days, some people get what's called the keto flu. This can, for the most part, be avoided by you know making sure you're getting plenty of salt and uh, magnesium at nighttime, things like that. The ketogenic diet has a ton of benefits. Not only is it the quickest and safest way to lose especially a lot of weight, in my opinion, but has a lot of other benefits, such as you're going to reduce inflammation just by getting rid of the grains and, you know, because those things are highly inflammatory in your gut and can contribute to autoimmune disease and all kind of stuff. So uh, the ketogenic diet can reduce inflammation. Uh, My wife and I, who both are advocates for this, we both have a lot of testimonials of patients who they they go on a ketogenic type of diet and, and you know they had been in a lot of pain, you know arthritis or whatever, and in one week, one week's time, they feel significantly better, and sometimes can get off uh, NSAIDs and different types of medication just because the inflammation in their body is significantly uh, mental clarity and sharpness. So the brain can utilize ketones, and the brain likes ketones, so. It can make you think better, can give you more energy, can give you clearer skin, clear up your complexion. Um, it can reduce the risk of chronic disease. Talked on that briefly. I mean, the, the standard American diet causes so much inflammation and increases risk of heart disease, stroke, autoimmune disease. I mean, there's so much stuff. So, so when we take all of that out we significantly reduce our risk for chronic disease. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, doctor, I'm sold. Um, I've heard a little bit about keto, had some friends do it. They lost a lot of weight. I want to do it. How do I do it? Well, it's a learning curve, okay? So it's hard just to say, all right, I'm starting tomorrow on keto. You got to learn about it, okay? So you got to watch videos. You got to read some books, maybe even get with a doctor, um, so a couple of books that I like, The Complete Keto Diet for Beginners by S.J. Cook is one that we recommend a lot to patients. I also like Keto for Life by Mark Sisson. Now, if you do not like meat, it's fine. Uh, if you're more of a, a vegetarian, that's not a good diet to be on. I'm just saying, we'll talk more about that later. But 
If you just like more of a plant-based, that's fine. You can still do keto. There's a great book out there called Ketotarian by Dr. Will Cole. And the first half kind of talks a little bit about keto and, you know, just kind of how it works. The second half of the book is recipes, but it's mostly plant-based. He does advocate some eggs and I think an occasional fish. But other than that, it's just a high-fat plant-based diet. So there is a learning curve to keto, okay? And so you need to learn about it, and then you need to get all the crap out of your kitchen when you finally get started. You need to have family, hopefully spouses on board, because if you decide that you're going to do keto and say your spouse isn't on board and there's Twinkies and Debbie cakes laying around, it's going to make it more difficult. So if you need to lose a lot of weight, try to get your spouse on board. And even if they don't need to lose weight, keto is good for them, okay? Um, so get family support. Now you can do it on your own. My wife did keto for a long time without me doing it. And she did it. She did very well at it. Um, and it, you know, it's just, it makes it more difficult because you got to fix your own meal and then another meal for, you know, everybody else. And, you know, we have kids, so we still have crap in our house, but, um, she and I, for the most part, still, still eat this way. Now, uh, I will say this, if, if you're on board with this, okay, and then you go to your doctor and you say, I listened to a podcast by this guy and he's advocating the ketogenic diet to help me lose weight and get healthy and I want to try this ketogenic diet. You know what he's going to say? Oh no, don't do keto. It's not good for you. Okay. And especially if you go see a cardiologist, I don't know that I've known one cardiologist that said, oh yeah, keto is great. Do keto. Okay. They're going to tell you not to do it. Um, I would just say, and what I tell my patients in the clinic, do your own research, okay? Depends on who you want to listen to. And do you, do you want to go with the norm or do you want to go against the grain? Because here's the norm, and this is what I tell patients. Okay, you go in Walmart and you sit there for five minutes and you look around. You're going to see that stat that I just mentioned. One in three people are obese, okay? And so if you want to keep doing the status quo, and, and what all these doctors are recommending, then, then do that. So it's just whoever you want to listen to. But I'm, I'm just telling you if, you, if you go and ask your doctor, uh, unless it's somebody like myself or like my wife who are educated in this stuff and have really dug into it, they're going to say, oh, and they don't know anything about it. Uh, honestly, I mean, they don't know anything about it. It's just anything against the, the standard of care they're going to be, oh, no, no, don't do that. That's not good for you. That's not good for you. That's going to, that's going to raise your cholesterol. That's a whole other podcast, but I'm telling you, don't worry about that. So I almost didn't want to mention this because this is getting into the weeds a little bit here, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mention this, and this is something called metabolic flexibility. Probably thinking, what the heck is metabolic flexibility? So metabolic flexibility is the ability to switch back and forth between two major energy systems glucose and fat, okay, based on availability and need. In English, that basically means, to me, this is the ultimate place to get to, okay? We want to get to the point where we are metabolically flexible. Our ancestors were metabolically flexible, okay, because they would go times where they would fast, therefore they're in ketosis, or they slaughtered a buffalo and they ate nothing but fat and meat, and then they're fasting, okay? But whatever the case, 
they're in ketosis, so they're burning fat, okay? And then they come up on some fruit, and they eat some fruit that's obviously sugar. Well, their body burns that sugar, and then at some point, they go back into ketosis, okay? So being able to flip back and forth between these two is what we refer to as metabolic flexibility. I feel like I'm very metabolically flexible, okay? But it took me a while to get there. And if you're way overweight, it's going to take you a long time to get there. So don't be trying this. Don't, don't start on keto for a week and then say, well, I'm going to be metabolically flexible, so I'm going to go eat a whole pizza and drink a beer, and then I'll be right back into ketosis the next day. Don't do that. It's going to take a long, long time. I can actually do that. Uh, I've done it. I've tested. I mean, I can in 12 hours, I can, be, I can be back into ketosis. But again, it's taken me a long time to do that, doing a lot of different things. But um, to me, that's the ultimate goal. First step, though, is to get really good at being in ketosis to where your, body's gotta, your body has to learn how to burn fat for fuel. Because our, our country, most of it, most of the people... They don't know how to burn fat for fuel, okay? We are so carbohydrate heavy that we're burning glucose 100% of the time. So our bodies don't know how to burn fat. So you've got to get your body used to burning fat, and it's got to do that for a long time before you start, you know, doing this what we call metabolically flexible. Okay, so some more resources. I mentioned those books, uh, other resources I like. If you go to YouTube and type in Keto 101 Dr. Barry. I've read a book by Dr. Barry. I've seen some of his YouTube stuff. I like him. I actually like to get him on podcasts at some point. Uh, but he's got some like little 10-minute videos of do this first, do this second, uh, that kind of thing. You also go to dietdoctor.com. That's Dr. Jason Fung's website. He's got a lot of good resources. And if you're local, uh, if you're here in Oklahoma, and we're in the Oklahoma City area, and you want more accountability... Uh, you want a physician who understands, you know, the, the ketogenic diet and to, to follow you, uh, go see my wife, Dr. Lydia Dennis, and she's at vibrantlifedc.com and you can find her there if you're in this area. All right. So we talked about number one, decrease carbohydrates. Number two was replace the carbohydrates with fats. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com. This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk.